the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your head. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will Introduction to Numbers, and we covered what we're going to uh, we talked about a little bit about the chapters we're going to cover this evening. You've got three good questions out there for yourselves to to call in and answer and win some wonderful prizes. We've got some uh, very nice prizes for you to win in helping you grow in your understanding of the Scriptures. And uh, we'll be giving those to you as well. John will be taking your name and uh, phone number so that we can call you and, and uh, mail these gifts to you. So give us a call, 210-340-9585, and the Bible Live will be back in just a couple of minutes, so don't you go anywhere. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878.
You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. I'm being made new. That's a, that's a, an amazing little, I was going to say metaphor, an amazing description of what God is doing us in us as his people. Uh, it's often Jesus himself brought up the idea that you we are being born again. We're becoming a new person. Um, Paul also mentions that in his letter to the Corinthians. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creation, a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And it's really a very interesting line of thinking to consider what, what that means. A lot of times I think we, we tend to take it as something like a New Year's resolution. You know, yeah, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm just, I'm changing. I'm kind of. Do over, like, you know, the old, the old year ends. Yeah. And then we can Okay, start it back at zero. Yeah, kind of correct our mistakes and uh, uh, kind of a mid-course, mid-course correction in our journey. But it's more than just turning over a new leaf. And, I've, you know, I, I think that the world learned about the expression uh, born again. I think at large, I, uh, I, I remember back in the times of um, Carter, President Carter, he used the phrase born again. And a lot of reporters and news people had to run and get their dictionary and ask, what does that mean? What does it mean? Born again, what does that mean? And they didn't know, I recognize necessarily that it came from the scriptures. And it's a description of the experience of God's people, those who come to faith and come into a relationship with God by their faith in Christ. They are born again. And we tend to think of it as just a new start, but... Uh, it, I, I'm convinced it actually means far more, and there is a, it's it's closer to being. <laughs> I'd say it's closer to being literally true than it is to be uh, symbolically true. It's there. There is something we have become. We've become a new. The the difference between knowing God and being at peace with God, and being connected, rightly connected to God. Uh, is life itself that is spiritual life when we are in that we are spiritually alive when we are separated from god it's a different it's an entirely different um experience and uh, i i i think we are entirely a different person we are when we are connected to god and made right with him a new nature, a new new impulses, new values, new ideas, new motivations are placed in our heart and life by our submission to God, and and we truly become a new person. Um, I, I don't know if I can describe it much better than that, um, but I think I think we ought to think about the the, the new birth of being born again. As far more than just turning over a new leaf, you know, you, you know, we're becoming religious or something. 
but but that we've become a new person in Christ. And of course, we want to think about that in terms of the book of Numbers as we are looking at this book. The people of Israel now, are, they're becoming a people. They are now becoming, uh, again, the, the people of God. They've come into the right relationship with their God, and they are embarked on a journey as a new people. It's, it's more radical than just just uh, human understanding. There is a supernatural uh, core, a supernatural basis for all that's happening in here. So they, in a sense, are, are becoming a new people as well. Uh, I don't know where I started with that idea, but it's a it's it's a basic uh, it's a basic principle of the scriptures. This idea of becoming the people of God, we become new a new person, a new a new people with new values and and new understandings and new truths uh, that uh, we are now the people of God. <clears throat> well, we were tracking Moses, and he leads the people of Israel. Something like uh, the estimates, I've heard many estimates about uh, maybe a million to two million people that have come out of Egypt, and they have been wandering. Uh, it's just a wandering city the size of San Antonio, uh, uh, people uh, wandering in, in this huge desert area and uh, a huge people group. They have, they strike terror and fear into people groups around them, the nations, because they're all afraid uh, this huge group is going to attack their nation. And, and so they are in this uh, experience in the wilderness. Now, I've got some questions out that I've asked you uh, so that you can be a part of our program as we think through the book of Numbers. Moses prays four times during the uh, chapters 11 through 14, Uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. There are four prayers, and I am asking you if you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. Let me just expand it. I I only ask you about the first uh, prayer. But let me ask you about all four of them. What, if you can name, what were the subject of the prayers in uh, Numbers 11 through 14? There were four prayers, four times that Moses himself is called on to pray to God uh, because of situations that arise in uh, in Israel here and so um, among the, the people of Israel. So if you can tell me any of those, what was the topic of four of those prayers? Now, I can't keep them out forever because I want to answer the questions so that others who are listening will know, well, what was the answer to that if no one ever calls in to let us know? So give us a call as soon as you can, 210-340-9585. If you can tell me what was this subject of uh, even one of these four prayers that Moses offers up in chapters 11 through 14. Okay? Give me a call about that, 210-340-9585. And I have a series of books called God Understands that I want to offer to each of you who calls in and uh, part of the program. And maybe you can answer one of these programs, and I'll, I'll help you out for sure. I'm always uh, liking you to be a winner, and we want to award these these uh, a set of seven books called God Understands. And what they do, uh, these different books, they take on a, each of them takes on a theme. When you feel life is meaningless and without purpose, here are the scriptures that you can p- take from the scriptures, uh, from God's word. You can find there will be something like 50 to 60 verses 
that you can read, that you can remember, memorize, that can bring comfort, and that you can use this book for your own life and your own life experiences, or it could be helpful to you as you learn to minister to other people to be able to share with those who who are uh, they feel angry or they feel like life is unfair to them. Uh, they have a, maybe they have a fear of their of death, uh, their own mortality, and become aware of it. Are, they maybe feel overwhelmed with guilt for something in their life, and and all of these are common, uh, normal human experiences. And we want to share with you this book that goes through each one of those and shares truths from God's word, perspectives and verses from God's word that can really help. Uh, to encourage and lift up people who are having these kind of experiences in their life, whether it's you, and, and of course we'll all need it eventually in some area of our life, or if it's you using it to, uh, maybe you can share this book of scriptures and, and verses and, and teachings to someone in your family that you care about that may be going through one of these crises or one of these uh, problem areas, or, uh, or or just use it in your own ministry uh, as as uh, part of your ministering tools to minister to the needs of others. So I've got a number of these sets of books. God understands its call, and I'll be glad to send one to you as a gift just for calling in, being a part of the Bible Live broadcast as we get to know the Scriptures and the God of the Scriptures better and better. So what are the four prayers that Moses offers up from Numbers chapter 11 through 14? If you can name even just one of those, uh, we'll send you one of these sets of, of books that you'll really enjoy. <clears throat> They'll be helpful to you in your own life and the life of others. Now, let me throw in another question, too. I'm putting out a pretty good number of questions. I'm going to have to answer them uh, somewhat, too. But let me ask, uh, ask you this question as well. Uh, Israel's punishment for not trusting God and obeying him and going going on into Canaan uh, was to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember, I asked you the question, and we, it's explained to us in chapter 14, verse 34, why 40 years? 40 is a fairly significant number in Bible terms. Um, the the reigning on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights of rain under uh, Noah, the the the, the uh, Flood, the universal flood that is announced there, uh, 40 days and 40 nights. It's a number that we we run into quite a bit. Uh, well, we find out, too, that the people of Israel are to wander in their wilderness for 40 years until all of the males 20 years and older have passed away, a whole generation. Uh, and so uh, my question to you is, why 40 years? It explains in that particular verse, for, verse 34 of chapter 14, why 40 years? Um, let's see what else. Uh, after Israel refused to go in and conquer Canaan, as they uh, were uh, instructed and guided to do and, and should have been willing to do by faith that God was going to deliver the the land into their hands, as he had promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on, and even them through Moses, uh, leadership and so on, they had come to understand that that was part of God's promise to them, but they did not go in uh, and because why, um, let me see, how can I ask this question? 
what did they do instead of going into the promised land? After they were told, don't go in because uh, you, you disobeyed and you're going to have to wander in the wilderness, then they go, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to do what God said now. And so uh, the, they did something instead of going in to conquer Canaan. Um, they did something instead. They did not turn back into the wilderness as God had told them and instructed them. They did something else, and and uh, the consequences were, were negative, of course. So tell me, what did they do instead of going in? They refused to go into Canaan at the beginning, and they were told then they would have to wander in the wilderness. And then they did something else. What was it? And they experienced, uh, and they had a bad experience there as well by disobeying. So what did they try to do instead of going uh, instead of obeying God to go into Canaan as they were told at the beginning. All right, that's found in chapter 14, uh, verse 44. So uh, there we go. I've got those questions out. I'll answer them in a bit, but let's move forward now. We're in, we've gone through those chapters 11 through 14. There are four prayers of Moses, and then we see that they failed the test to go into Canaan, and they're told uh, to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh then we come to chapter, let's go to chapter 15. All of this is in the context of God is still building them. God is still teaching the people of Israel uh, as they come out of Egypt. Now they've been out of Egypt for about a year, a little, maybe 13 months or so. And they're still learning. They're still growing. And God is still nation building. And uh, in chapter 15, we have an interesting uh, experience that this, uh, in chapter 15, verse 32 we come into this experience. It seems almost minor in some ways, and yet the response is major. It's it's a very uh, serious consequence, and so it's a little bit of confusing for us sometimes as we read through it. It says, One day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. The people who found him doing this took him before Moses, Aaron, and the rest of the community, and they held him in custody uh, because they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, they didn't have modern jails and prisons that they put people in. There was no provision for that uh, and uh, until he was tried, uh, given a fair trial and tried, and to find out if indeed he was guilty. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, this man must be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the whole community took the man outside the camp and stoned the man to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So this was a capital offense. And and the offense uh, here, of course, is to um, reject and disobey the idea of the Sabbath, the day that is set aside to honor God and worship God. And uh, and here he is on, out on that day gathering wood. And it, when we read that in the beginning, we think, wow, what a severe punishment. The death penalty for, for just gathering wood on the Sabbath. And uh, so there's several considerations here. One is that we do have to remember that these are very uh, serious times in Israel— some serious um, precedents are being set. Uh, the, the, the laws that God gave to the people of Israel were important. They were crucial for their uh, 
for their well-being as a community, as a nation, as a society, and for their longevity, that uh, believing and understanding and walking under uh, the obedience and submission to God and honoring God through the Sabbath day of rest, which is a signal that the day of rest was there to teach us to give priority to spiritual matters, that life isn't all about just earning money and running your store or your, your farm or your ranch. or It wasn't all about it. The, the, ultimately, life is about us and God and knowing God and enjoying a relationship with God and walking with God. One of the lessons that come from the Sabbath is giving priority to spiritual matters. And life is not just about... Uh, is not earthbound. We as human beings tend to become very earthbound in our thinking. Our jobs, our relationships, our health, our the events of our life and so on. And we must understand that that all of those they they're important and they have a significance but only as they relate to eternity. Uh we must live our lives with eternity in view. And uh, so here we have an important, very important principle being violated before the people and and uh, it is taken very, very seriously because this is a time when if if these rules are broken by the community, by the society as a whole, then it would tend to lead to the disintegration of the society and the loss of their vision of, of what life is about and the loss of their, their understanding of them being people of God. And they would lose that experience and, and lose that blessing and not be the blessing they're intended to be to the other nations around them. So it is a very severe and very important principle. And it comes at a time when these uh, laws of God and these principles that are being laid out, are they're being uh, taught, they're being internalized by the people of Israel. So it's a very, uh, very important moment for them as well to see how important these laws are. So that may... Give some light, shed some light on why the penalty is so clear for what he uh, what this man had done uh, when he had done it at this time in this moment in their history and their development and how it was such a priority that this was an appropriate uh, consequence for his disobedience. Uh, the other thing is that some people and and I know that uh, our our good friend Jacob who has helped us many times with understanding some of these from. Uh, from uh, uh, the the Hebrew perspective, is to remember too that in their understanding of this passage is that this was not just gathering someone gathering firewood. There's something in the language, uh, something about it that uh, traditionally is understood that he was not just gathering firewood to heat his home or cook his food, but this was gathering wood for uh, to carve out a an idol which was the practice, and many times they would take wood and carve out and make idols uh, for themselves and false gods. And so that that too might have been involved in this situation as well. So uh, we see that. Then we see at the end of chapter 15, uh, seeing how important it is for the people to remember God's laws, the instructions that he was giving them. He gave uh, instructions were given to uh, for the for the people of Israel throughout the generations to <laughs> it was a fashion statement really <laughs> on their garments they were to make tassels 
uh, on the hems of their garments and their clothing and attach these uh, tassels to their garments with a blue cord. And uh, when we see these tassels on their garments, that will help them to remember God's word. In other words, they would kind of like, uh, for example, maybe um, uh, the the rosary beads that help people in prayer to memorize certain principles or certain requests from God. We'll hear these these verses, these tassels would remind them of certain verses of Scripture that, that they wanted to learn. They helped them in memorizing the Scriptures and to then help them to remember, remember them, God's commands, and to obey God's commands. And it's an interesting little fashion statement that has been a part of and still a part of uh, the experience of many uh, of the people of Israel who who take seriously some of the religious directions and commands of God in the Old Testament. And then we come on into chapter 16 of the book of Numbers, and we come there and we run into another one of the prayers that Moses offers up. Uh, now, I'm giving you just a little more time to give us a call, 210-340-9585. Uh, if you'd like to kind of let me know what were some of these prayers, four prayers that Moses lifts up in chapters 11 through 14. The second prayer there, it, now we're, gonna, we're looking at it. Well, in chapters 11 through 14. No, I, I, I tell you what, we're going to move into chapter 16 now, which is uh, there's a rebellion that rises up against Moses and Aaron, and we're going to find out what was the basis of that. Uh, and it's an interesting uh, rebellion against Moses, Aaron. The, the, these are the two men who are giving leadership, Moses, uh, kind of the political uh, societal leadership, and Aaron now has been appointed to be the spiritual leader, uh, the first high priest, and he, Aaron becomes the first of the lineage of high priests uh, in, in amongst the Levites. All Levites uh, all the priests were Levites, but not all the Levites were high priests uh, or priests in that they are through the lineage and the family group uh, of the descendancy of Aaron. So anyway, we'll move into chapter 16 as we move forward in, in these books. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, this rebellion that takes place uh, against Moses and Aaron, against their leadership. What was the what was the motivation for the rebellion? What was the results of it? And what happened to the leaders of this spiritual showdown that took, takes place now in chapter um, chapter 16 of the book of Numbers? So we'll look at that when we come back. But if you'd like to give us a call, answer some of those questions, and win some of these wonderful prizes that we have for you, uh, great spiritual resources for your understanding of the Scriptures, give me a call, 210 340 9585. Um, it's also here in the book of Numbers in chapters, uh, let's say, 17 and 18. Uh, in chapter 17, God speaks out. There is a controversy, there is a rebellion against Moses uh, and Aaron, and God weighs in in a very miraculous, significant way. Uh, he lets his opinion be known to the people through a miracle in chapter 17, verse 8. And we'll look at that, and we'll come back and talk about uh, the Levites and how they were going to make a living. It's, uh, you may already know about that, but we're going to cover the hows and the wherefores and the whys of 
the people of, of the Levite, the tribe of the Levites, how they were to subsist, how they were to earn a living. So we'll talk about that when we come back for our final segment from the Bible Live as we make our way through the chapters of the book of Numbers that we read and studied together this past week on the Bible at the Bible Live. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? To the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jesus knows just what I need. Oh, yes, He knows just what I need. All right, we are back. This is our final segment here on the Bible Live broadcast this evening. Elvis. Reminding us there in this old, old hymn, God Understands. My Jesus Knows. He Knows Just What I Wow, I tell you, where do you find these, John? Those are, they're very good. <laughs> Go right along with our passages that we're talking about. And the fact that I'm offering to you as our listener, if you'd like to give us a call tonight and answer one of our questions from the Scriptures, particularly and specifically from the book of Numbers, uh, we'll give you a set of books here, seven books that talk about how God indeed does understand uh, in our, our life's crises and life's problems and life's challenges, when you feel life is meaningless, without purpose, when you feel angry, uh, when you have doubts, about uh, your faith and uh, about what life is about when you feel sadness or grief and experiencing loss. Uh, these are things that all of us at some point deal with as human beings. And with these uh, seven books take these different areas and offer uh, scriptures, um, truths and principles from God's word, the Bible, and uh, let you read them and meditate on them and know about them so that you can experience the comfort the, knowing that God does understand and and you can find um, uh, truth that will mitigate, that will minister to your heart and your life as you're going through some of these common life um, 
problems that that we face, uh, meaning and purpose and fear of death and uh, angry or resentful. Uh, all of these, we can find scriptures that will help us to overcome them in our lives, uh, in our relationship with God and, and his word. So uh, I'd love to give that to you. We've put out some questions about what were the four prayers that Moses offers up in chapters 11 through 14. If you can name even one of those prayers that, that he uh, lays out for us, uh, and and uh, of course how they were answered, how God answered those prayers. Uh, that's they're very significant and they're very they're inform they they inform us. They tell us some significant things about God and about His nature and about His leading in the people of Israel. And we can learn from those experiences as well. We've gotten down in our considerations so far down through chapters. Uh, up to chapters 15 and 16 now, we have this rebellion that takes place. Let me answer some of the pro- the questions we have out right now. Moses prays four times in Numbers chapters 11 through 14. The first time he prayed was to end God's judgment on Israel for their complaining. Remember, they, uh, they were complaining against Moses about uh, food was bad and... <laughs> Reminds me of a, a, one of my favorite jokes, but uh, the food was bad and, and th- things were hard. And um, the judgment came that fire from the Lord uh, came down that destroyed on the outskirts of the camp. Uh, and so God prayed four times. The first time was to end God's judgment, to cease the fire, the judgment of God on them for their for their complaining and belly aching. And then the second prayer was that they complained about the food. Uh, you know, we back in Egypt, we had better food than this, you know, and, and let's go back. And, and, and so God answered Moses' second prayer by providing food for Israel in the form of, in this case, uh, manna and quail. I don't know where quail come into the picture. I, I used to hunt quail as a kid. I love quail meat and pheasant. Uh, but anyway, they it was miraculously provided. Uh, uh, and fl- flying in from the coastlands or something like that, I believe, is the understanding. And that these quail provided food for the people along with the manna that God was providing as well. Uh, and then at that same time, as God provides quail for the people, he also provides Moses with uh, 70 men who would help him in leading the people, representatives from all of the different tribes. And uh, so Moses is given some assistance. You can imagine one man trying to give leadership to to 2 million people. I mean, I guess it's like being the mayor of our city or something like that. Uh, but he was getting, he was called upon to be the judge and there, all of the disputes. And he was, he was the trial lawyer for that. And, uh, a lot of the leadership was in his hands, but these 70 men are, are given now to help him in giving leadership to the people of Israel. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't show any jealousy of them at all. He seems to be very happy to receive the assistance in chapter 11, verse 29, he demonstrated that he was not jealous of them at all. Uh, and the third prayer that Moses offers up happens in chapter 12, and it's because Miriam, his sister, 
uh, and Aaron, even Aaron himself, the high priest, his his brother and his sister criticized Moses for marrying a, a Cushite, which is an Ethio- a woman from Ethiopia, uh, and they seemed to be jealous of his power. And, and, and to understand that fully, uh, of course, we're looking at the scriptures uh, and, and we're trying to understand. How, now, this woman, I think it's safe to presume and assume that she was part of Israel. She was, and, and I'm not talking about genetically or biologically, of a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but she was uh, a convert. She had come to trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and therefore, legitimately, the marriage was legitimate in, in that sense from the commands of God. And um, the, the punishment, the jealousy uh, that might have existed because of Moses' authority in his place uh, that might have been a, something uh, left over from the time in Egypt. Because remember, in the Egyptian culture, uh, remember way back when we when we read the story of, jo- of Joseph, he went down into Egypt and uh, God prospered him and used him to prepare the way for the people of Israel to come down when they came down uh, to escape a famine. And they ended up staying 400 years down in Egypt, they became a nation of slaves down there. But when they first went, they were welcomed guests because Joseph had won a great deal of favor uh, from the Pharaoh because of interpreting his dreams and doing. Uh, he helped them survive this uh, seven years of famine that followed the f- seven years of plenty. And he was get, made the second uh, person in power in all of Egypt just uh, under the Pharaoh himself. And part of the the part of the developments of that process <coughs> was, <coughs> excuse me, that the uh, Pharaoh became the owner uh, of all the land and all of the farms and all of the land, all of the goods and of Egypt. He be, uh, remember they were given grain from these uh, storehouses that uh, that Joseph had helped to. Uh, set up and manage and but the farmers and the people in in exchange for those they had to give up their the actual ownership and authority over their land the only ones that were exempted from that and and from the taxation were the priests the priesthood in Egypt and so uh, the priests were given a favorable position in the land of Egypt uh, in that time and under that uh, under the influence then of these uh, policies that, that Joseph had helped them to install so now the Moses and Miriam it could be that they're kind of thinking back on that the the, the priority and the privileges that the priests uh, enjoyed and they were maybe wanting to enjoy some of those privileges and and, and uh, priorities themselves. Uh, I've read about that. That may have been a part of their understanding, but they became jealous of Moses. Uh, uh, it was expressed through their criticism of him for marrying a an Ethiopian woman. Uh, but that, all of that may have been a, a bigger part of the cause of their their jealousy and because of uh, and their sin in this matter because of resenting the leadership that they had been given from the Lord. 
And so um, God has to deal with them. And Moses has to pray. His third prayer is he prays for his sister, Miriam, because she, uh, as a result of her criticism of Moses and her jealousy, she is punished with leprosy. And so Moses prays for her and he she is healed. So a very interesting uh, third prayer here. And then uh, the fourth prayer came when um, God, the people rebel against Moses and his leadership following the, the leadership of uh, after they refused to go in to Canaan, the 12, uh, the 12 spies that went in. Only 10 of, 10 of them came back with a, a report filled with fear and pessimism. We can't do it. They're like giants to us. We're like, we're like grasshoppers to them. We can't do it. We shouldn't go in. And of the two, uh, the, of the 10 tribes, two, only two came back saying, yes, let's take God at his word. Let's believe God's promise. We can do it. God will give us the victory. Uh, and let me throw out a question real quick. Who were the two spies that said that came back with a good, positive, optimistic view that we must go in, we must believe God, he'll give us the land. Who were the two spies that came back with a heart to obey the Lord and trust the Lord? Uh, And as a result, though, of these 10 uh, spies that did not obey the Lord, the people of Israel did not want to enter in, and they were turned back then. Um, to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And and in that context, in that moment, God, uh, in, in discussing and talking with Moses, said, I'm, just, I'm going to destroy this people. Uh, another, uh, another major destruction, like in the time of Noah, a major judgment that they would be destroyed. And he said, I'm going to start all over. I'll, I'll start... I'll build up another another nation that's going to do that will obey me and trust me, and and uh, he tells Moses that, and Moses says, "Oh no, Lord, don't do that." His fourth his prayer is Moses says, "I'm going to start over a new nation, but I'm going to start with you, Moses, instead of with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead of through that lineage, I'm going to start with Moses, and I'm going to build a nation under and around you, and they will be my people." And Moses. <laughs> Funny enough, it's kind of interesting. You, you might have thought he would go, well, yeah, that'd be good. You know, I'll I'll be the beginning. I'll be the. But Moses says, "No, Lord, don't do that." And that was his fourth prayer that he uh, prays that God would not uh, that God would forgive the people, and that He would restore them and continue to work with them and use them uh, to carry out His plan uh, for this people group. Now. Uh, that were, those are the four prayers that are lifted up. I want, I've asked you two questions, two new questions now. Who were the two spies that said, we can do it, God will help us, we must go into the land? And by the way, there are the two exceptions to, uh, after 40 years, they were the only two who survived of this generation, uh, these two people. So what were the names of these two people who did not die? Give me a call, 210-340-9585, if you'd like to answer the question and win this copy of these uh, books about God Understands. We'd like to send that to you just for calling in and being a part of the program and helping us as we think through the scriptures here. And then um, 
we had asked the question of why 40 years of the people of Israel were uh, were punished by wandering 40 years in the wilderness. And we're told in chapter 14 that it was one year for each year, each day that the 12 spies were in the land. The 12 spies went into the land for 40 days and came back. And so they were... Uh, their punishment was to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation of men 20 years old and over passed away. Uh, and they, <clears throat> and we see that happen here in the book of Numbers as well because the end of the, the final chapters of the book of Numbers take place there uh, on the eastern side of the Jordan as they prepare to go into of the promised land after 40 years. And so we have the book of Deuteronomy to deal with between that, this time and that experience. Uh, but then uh, one day for each year was the reason they were uh, to wander in the wilderness. <clears throat> Why were they, uh, who were the two men that did give a positive um, reason, a, a positive message that we can take the land? Uh, let's see. Uh, anyone know what happened to the 10 spies who came back from exploring Canaan and gave a negative, discouraging report? Chapter 14, verses 36 and 37. We know that the two who gave the positive report were were um, uh, rewarded. They were exempted from the punishment of dying during the 40 years of wandering, and they, uh, we'll see later on, they receive benefits and, and, and rewards for for their faithfulness to God. But what happened to the 10 spies that brought back the negative uh, report and discouraged the people from going into Canaan? If you can answer, 210-340-9585. Love to get an answer from you and be able to give you one of these wonderful prizes, these sets of books about God's promises in the Scriptures. Uh, let's move forward. We talked about chapter 15 and the man who was stoned to death for, for gathering firewood on the Sabbath and how that was a very serious moment, a serious stage in in Israel's development. And this uh, this was a very difficult, difficult moment to show the seriousness of God's laws and why he had given them these these laws and these commandments. So uh, we, we saw the severity of that because the laws were so important for them as a nation, as a people, and even for the individuals as well. Uh, we see in chapter 16, a, another Levite named Korah leads a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. Another rebellion, uh, two Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, join in Korah's rebellion, and they show disrespect for Moses by uh, refusing to come to discuss the situation when Moses summoned them uh, in chapter 16. Uh, So he called the 250 leaders of Israel to these other Leaders, They had their own levels of authority and responsibility. He called them to a spiritual showdown. And how did God reveal that the priesthood was to remain in the lineage of Aaron? How did God reveal that Aaron indeed was the uh, first of the high priests and that the priesthood was to remain in the lineage of Moses' brother Aaron? Um, He revealed that and showed that to them very clearly. Uh, and uh, it was it was a very a big event. It was a major uh, a punishment, of course. 
And so after Korah's judgment, people continued to rebel and were judged with a plague. Uh, And then God gave a sign to confirm that Aaron's staff, uh, using Aaron's staff to confirm his will that that the Levites were to be uh, the tribe of priests and ministers to the nation. And uh, that was another miracle was done, but this time it was more of a of a positive miracle. It was a sign that they each put forth their their uh, staff, their the walking sticks that they used, and they put them together uh, in in the uh, tabernacle. And that Moses overnight Moses staff blossomed and produced almonds. Uh, overnight is a sign that God was put his sign of blessing that Aaron was to be the head of the priesthood and the priesthood was to remain in the lineage of Aaron. Um, After that, we move into chapters 18, 17, 18, 19. Uh, They give a tithe and offering. Uh, we're told that the Levites are not going to receive an allotment of land in Israel. They're going to uh, live from the tithes and the offerings of the people of the other tribes of the land uh, for their work in, in looking out for the health, for the welfare and the well-being, uh, and to the spiritual well-being of the nation. Um, if they, uh, This is one I've always liked. In, in chapter 15, or, I'm sorry, chapter 18, Moses is reminded and Aaron reminded that how much respect had to be given to the offerings of God's people. And as a minister of the gospel, uh, now for 50 years, my wife Suzanne and I have lived uh, in a sense or what they call living by faith. All of us live by faith. But financially, our finances are are provided uh, through voluntary offerings and and gifts that people send to partner with us in the work of the ministry to help us free us uh, all of our time, our energy, our creativity, talent, skills, everything we bring to the party, uh, we apply them full time to the gospel, to ministering, winning, building, and sending men and women for the cause of Christ and the, the gospel around the world. And uh, as part part of the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ or crew, and and so. W- We've done that, and one of the things we've learned all through these 50 years of ministry is, is just the tremendous respect and, and, uh, and admiration for God's people who, and, and the gifts that God's people give. And it's a constant, constant—it uh, builds our faith. It, build, it encourages—it's you know, it's a basic provision for our lives, our children, our uh, clothes, our children, us, and have food and, and home and a house and so on. We live modest, modestly and moderately as a ministry. We're committed to that, but it, we're reminded of that in in uh, chapter 18. The Levites uh, experience the joy and the privilege of giving. They too give. Not only do they receive and benefit from the offerings of God's people, but they are they tithe as well. The Levites do, and so that that's a reminder to us in the ministry that we too have the privilege of giving uh, and toward God's uh, kingdom. Oh, let me see what else things that we could look at. Uh, let me kind of, if I could, hustle. We've only got a few moments left. I uh, better answer my questions that I've got out to you. Um, gathering firewood. Let me see. Uh, uh, the jealousy of Miriam and Aaron. Uh, the earth opened up and swallowed the families belonging to Datham and Abiram 
and fire destroyed the 250 men who were wrongly burning incense to the Lord. Uh, There's some very serious consequences for uh, sins uh, that are given during this time and era. Remember, this is a very sensitive time. These laws that God is giving them are not just willy-nilly, just light little things. These are laws that are going to preserve them for centuries uh, and generations to come. And so they were very, very important, and the consequences then were very uh, stern and severe and consistent and fair because they had known about the laws. Well, we make it our way. We're going to come back next week and talk about they run into, begin to start having battles now with the Moabites and others, and we'll see how God leads them through the final years of these 40 years in the wilderness on into Canaan. See you next Sunday here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.